Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dragoncast, the Drexel basketball podcast. I'm Nate, and Dan's here as always. And then we're lucky enough to have two of our men's basketball assistant coaches with us here tonight, Coach Will Chavis and Coach Justin Jennings, both nice enough to take some time out and talk about the season that's coming up. It's hard to believe it's it's here, essentially. It's a Friday night. We get started, and I, as much as I'm upset the Phillies lost, it is nice to have a couple sports in. I know Dan's disappointed about the union. I'm a NASCAR fan, and the racing season is winding down. So it's nice to have th something settled down, so now we can focus on basketball and start talking about that. What I always like to do is learn about the people that we have on here, because it's really interesting, the stories that you hear, and then plus, the people going to the games, you get to know people better, and it makes you root even harder for them. So uh, I'll start out with uh, Coach Chavis. So uh, again, thanks for joining us, and yeah. uh, just wanted to... Learn a little about you. So I know it's a general question. Tell us about how, what got you into coaching. We're from Philadelphia, but if you mind walking us through that a little bit. Okay. I grew up at 33rd and Wallace, which is right down the street from Drexel's campus. When I was young, I used to sneak in the gym at Drexel when they didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> it was a really hot box, we called it. Try to get us some shots. Yeah, but I grew up right there in West Philly. I went to engineering and science high school. Played three years with Lynn Greer that went to Temple. With John Cox, who's now assistant coach at LaSalle. So I played with those two guys in high school. Finished up at Texas Tech for college. Coach Bob Knight played 11 years overseas and coached two years overseas. So I was in various countries, mostly in Germany. And that's where I started coaching. I started coaching the youth teams in Germany, probably ages 14 to 19. And that's when I started realizing that's something I might want to do in the future. I got a chance to coach after playing. I got a chance to coach a professional team for two years. And it was a really good experience in terms of not only X and O's, but learning how to put teams together and learning the business of basketball, professional basketball in that sense. So pretty much it in a nutshell. I caught that on your bio about, so you're Bob Knight's first recruit at Texas Tech? Initially, I came out of junior college in Texas. I went to University of Hampshire my first year. The coach resigned. It was Jeff Jackson. He resigned like the commissioner in the Big 12, something like that. So he resigned with the Vanderbilt. So then I transferred to Tennessee State. Coach gets fired, Frankie Allen. So then I go to JUCO, my assistant coach, and I get recruited all over again. And that's when Bob Knight recruited me out of JUCO to go to Texas. So when he had his press conference at Texas Tech, I was on campus. And they were introducing him as the head coach. What was it like playing for him? It was fun. It was fun. He was a character. I will say that. I learned a lot about myself, I will say. And he, he always said it. He always had a saying that mental is the physical is forced to one. So he always mentally tried to challenge you more than physically. So it was just one of those things that he was really passionate about, the mental aspect of the game. And did you always, despite all the places that you went to, did you always see yourself coming back to Philly? Yeah, eventually. I love Philly. I, I see it in a different way now since I've been away. My wife is from Germany. I experience Philly through her eyes a little bit now because yeah. we go around, we can see different things. So it, it's been a unique experience coming back because I've almost been away from Philly as long as I've lived in Philly. I left when I was 17. I came back when I was basically like 36. I was in and out during the summertime, but never really had roots here in terms of living situation. How does she view Philly, like yeah, being from Europe? She loves it. It's funny, most people, they want to move to the suburbs. She wants to stay right in the city. Like, she wants to be, like, when she can walk to a, a coffee shop, 
get a coffee, walk to a restaurant. Like she, she just likes the feel of it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much a European feel here in the city, a little bit downtown. Okay, I was a little nervous because I lived in Japan. I was in the Navy. We had one of our friends visit us, and we picked it up at the Newark airport. And I'm not a drinker. He said when he came in, he's like he wanted some beer, and I was like, where do I get beer? And I think I Googled some alcohol store and I don't even know where it was in Newark, but let's just say it parked. I I parked the car, parked the van, locked the doors, took enough money to buy the beer and ran in, got it and came out. And and so I'm I'm glad I thought it was, that was the perspective you were going to say. So I'm glad it's a good perspective, long story short, but either way, but uh, but happy to have you here and certainly interested to hear other perspective as Dan goes through some things. And then Coach Jennings, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what brought you to Drexel there. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Really excited to do this. Also appreciate you going with the high major, 10-year pro, decade pro before me. That way my story (laughs) sounds great as well. But Western PA guy, grew up just outside of Pittsburgh. I was a three-sport guy in high school. I had some opportunities maybe in every sport to play at the next level. Probably more scholarship opportunities to play football, but I wanted to chase my basketball dream. Decided on a Division three school up in Erie, Pennsylvania called Penn State Barron. And I think my coaching career kind of started the day I, I, I signed there because I was able to play for an unbelievable head coach and Dave Nyland, who's, I guess you could say maybe the Bob Knight of Division Three, but maybe not as hard on his players, but he is an elite coach at that level and has built a powerhouse in Division Three. So I was able to play there for four years after graduating. We did go to a couple tournaments as a player. After graduating, I was able to stay on while I was getting my MBA and start my coaching career for two years and really learned a lot under Coach Nyland. Got to see it from a different way after being a player for four years and then sitting with him for two years as an assistant. Left Penn State Barron and took a job at Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, another high academic division three school. Mm-hmm. Spent three years there coaching and then got the opportunity from Coach Spiker to, to go to West Point and spent five years at the academy. Three, my first three years, I was the head coach of the United States Military Academy Preparatory School, which is a basically a feeder program for the academy. We were able to get about six, seven recruits a year in there and uh, have a program. And it was good for those guys to get an opportunity to see how we run our system and everything. And those guys would end up moving on and being part of the team. So after three years there, I spent two more years at West Point with Coach Spiker. Had an unbelievable run there. Our teams had high level success and Coach Spiker got the Drexel job and was able to come over here with him. And now I'm going on, this will be year seven. So year 12 with Coach Spiker and year seven at Drexel and fired up to be here loving every day. Where are you from originally? Are you from the Erie area? Or? Cranberry Township is probably about 25 minutes north of Pittsburgh. Okay, gotcha. Wait, football-wise, where did you go to high school? Where did you play? Seneca Valley High School. So we were in, it was a big, it was only quad A at that time, I guess, was the highest division. But you got like your North Alleghenies, North Hills, Woodland Hills was in that area. We would play them, Central Catholic. And there was a lot of Western PA powerhouses at the time over there. Ryan Mundy was a player. Steve Breston, I don't know if you remember him. What got you into basketball then? What would set you that direction? Yeah, I just loved the game, really. It was ever since I was little. I knew that's where I wanted. It was probably my least talented of the three sports I played, but it was my passion and wanted to stick with it at the next level. What was the third sport? Baseball. I tell people all the time, it doesn't work, matter where you go to school. It's what you do when you get there and what you like, what you make out of it. So it's a community yeah. college or and what Coltrane is an example, if I'm, wrong, if I'm not wrong about kind of a satellite major program. So... 
Yeah, now where you went, you made the most out of it, is what it sounds like. And I, what about Drexel? Have you really liked so far? And you said really fired up for this for being here. Is there the what are the few things in particular that really get you fired up? You know about being where you are now. I think that there's a, there is a passion about about Drexel basketball. There's a beauty, even though how much I love football, the beauty of not having football at Drexel and basketball being the number one thing. People care. We wouldn't be on this podcast right now if people didn't care about Drexel basketball and the passion that people have for it. There's a responsibility for us to put a successful product out there. And that's what makes it exciting. That's what makes us um, excited to come back to work every day to, to put that product out there. Yeah. Begs the question, Coach Jennings, I don't, do you know Bobby Knight through Army Connections? I've never had the opportunity to meet Coach Knight. I know Coach Spiker was able to meet him a few times. There was a time, I think, when I can't remember the milestone, but Coach Spiker wore a sweater in honor of Coach Knight. I think we beat Bryant that night, and it was a pretty cool moment. It was maybe he was tying him for wins or something like that at the academy, something along those lines. But I know Coach Spiker's had a couple opportunities to meet him at different times. So I'm assuming then the Chavis connection to the staff now, going back to you, Coach, was not some kind of Bobby Knight connection dreamed up. This was something because... You were fairly local, or just how did you end up getting involved with the program? I, I guess you got to ask Coach Spiker that question, really. It kind of, um, I don't even know how it really happened. It was like organic. I met Coach Spiker, coaching in high school at Bishop McDevitt. And I just remember he came to one of my games. I think we were playing Archbishop Wood, I think was the first game that I saw him at. And he texted me after the game. We started a conversation. And we just kept going from there. We just built a relationship, basically based on some of the players that I had at the school and some of the stuff that, that he uh, he saw that we ran, that he liked. And then during the pandemic, we also built a deeper relationship. We used to talk a lot. I used to do a Zoom call with a lot of area coaches and a lot of a couple of college coaches. We would all be on the call just talking basketball or talking about life. And I asked him to join in. So that was something that I think he enjoyed during the pandemic. So so you were hosting that call? I think I've heard, heard tell of something like that before. I, don't really know the substance or anything behind it, but can you give some colors? Like, what was going on there? I, I guess it just was some of my, it was just some of my, I, I was inspired by something called 12 Inches Over, and Jeff Arnold hosted it. Jeff Arnold, Scott Brooks. Uh, during the pandemic, they started to host a Zoom call with a lot of with a lot of college coaches, high school coaches, just coaches in general, men's and women's side. And we would talk about, we just talk about issues that are affecting the world, affecting basketball. Let's go from there. So what I did, I did a spinoff with area high school coaches, and we just talk about the same issues, some of the things that affect high school basketball, some of the things that we needed to know for college. So we asked the college coaches stuff that we needed to freshen up on or some of the rule changes. So really simple. That's cool. Uh, relationships, that's the way to build out. That's a really neat thing. I wasn't particularly familiar. Something I'm a little bit more familiar on. I think you've got a relationship with one of our freshmen, maybe no one of them better than the others, Justin Moore coming into school. Here at Drexel. Yeah. What does that relationship look like now as you take it to the, the collegiate level? It's funny because I've known Justin's dad probably since I was 15 years old. Um, and we actually got a chance to play together in Germany. We won a championship together professionally. Justin Moore's dad and I. And so I remember Justin as a little kid. And his dad used to watch my kids when they were in Germany as well. So we have a connection. We just have a connection there. So when it was time for him to pick a high school, I know he was a leader Sheldonham. I went really hard <laughs> to try to get him to come to Bishop McDevitt High School. And he came for one year. He didn't initially come. He initially went to Roman Catholic. And then he decided not to go to Roman Catholic and came to Bishop McDevitt. 
And unfortunately, the school closed down after one year. So then he, he had to go to another school. He chose Archbishop Wood. Now, obviously, on to Drexel. And we talked to Amy Mallon a couple weeks ago. It was a collegiate transfer, but moving from Richmond to St. Joe's alongside one of the assistants there when they moved. And she noted at the time it was unusual that she was looked at. She felt like she was looked at a little differently, I think, at the time. It's become much more common. I would say current day, it's not unusual at all. See, are recruits traveling with assistants or opening, reopening the recruiting when somebody moves on or whatever the case might be? Um, how how much of a role do you think that you had in, in Justin's decision to commit here to Drexel? Yeah, I think I played a role in it, but I think it's the relationship that he had with Coach Spiker. And I also think that how he felt when he came on campus. I think he wasn't the type of kid that, that necessarily wanted to go away from home. I think he feel, he feels comfortable in this area. I think he feels comfortable with the league. I think he feels comfortable with the situation. So I feel like for him, he's a smart kid. He put everything together. And for him, it was the best decision, the best fit for him. And not necessarily because I was on the staff. That's a great segue. You, you helped me out there. The uh, one thing we were talking about, obviously, we, we had a, a large international flavor across the nation spread of our recruits, especially early on during Zach Spiker's tenure at Drexel, become a little more locally focused last year or two, and I could easily point to the pandemic and, and travel restrictions or whatever else, but I don't know if, if that's what it is or if there's more to it. Is there a reason why we're seeing more of a local flavor, Coach Jennings, in, in some of our um, recent recruiting? Yeah, I think, I'm going to be honest, I think it's always been a priority for us to recruit local. I know when Coach Spiker got here, that that was an important factor in what he was looking for. Obviously, Philly basketball is, is second to none when you talk about the talent pool in the area. And it's something we've always tried to push for. But I think early on, we wanted to always make sure we were taking the right local kid. You don't just want to take local kids to take local kids. I think you want to have the right ones that fit your school, fit your program. And I think as we started to see some success in our program moving forward, I think the door is open to maybe some better prospects in the area. And I think that's starting to present among our roster and probably in our future rosters moving forward. Do you think this is a theme to expect to see going forward? No question. Yeah, no question. I think we, we've done our part as much as we could. Coach Chavis has really helped the staff push some inroads in to some younger guys, some 2024s and 2025s to get leads on within the local area. And I do think that we're making a push to, to make our roster look like that. But I think you also have to look at our roster now. I believe we have more, not just Philly guys, but Pennsylvania kids than any other Pennsylvania Division One school around, I believe. So if you look at them, should it, I think we have six Pennsylvania guys, maybe, and that's more than any other division one Pennsylvania school. I was curious, this maybe kind of a basic question. I guess I'm still football brain on an assistant as assistant basketball coaches. Like I'm used to, yeah, football team, you have an offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams. How do you guys divide that up? I, I think I read maybe coach Chavis, you're more in the guards. I could be wrong about that, but how do you divide that up, or do you all kind of work with everybody? How does that work? I think we kind of work with everybody. I think JJ handles more the offensive side. Paul does more the defensive side, and I just get in where I fit in, honestly. Like, so I'm just just around, just trying to help out where I can. I think we all have a certain areas. You said you know, maybe I'm more on the offensive end, and Coach Fortier is more on the defensive end. I think Coach Javis has really pushed our guys to the next level in the skill development scene, which is probably the most important aspect when you're looking at the game of basketball. Our off-season skill development program, or PET program as we call it, performance enhancement program, he's put a lot of work into that, and you'll see a lot of benefits for our guys this season with that. But just because we have a one guy may be focused on offense doesn't mean you know, the next assistant doesn't have some input. Coach Javis has always 
bringing ideas to the table for both offense and defense. I might throw a defense at 10 coach for you. I may throw an offense at 10 It's a collaboration. I and mean, I think the beauty of our staff, we got a bunch of dudes in there that are just trying to grind and figure it out. And uh, it's not about getting your own idea out there. It's about getting the right idea out there. And that's what makes our staff special. I remember too, like when Coach Spiker was coming in and Dan, you correct me if I'm wrong, there's seen this reputation of run and gun up and down the court. Is there like a philosophy you guys have? And again, I'm going to use football as an example, like teams that really want to run the ball and control clock versus again, you know, take shots early in the shot clock. Is there like overriding philosophies you guys have for us that you carry forward? Yeah, I guess I could talk a little bit about it because I was there at West Point. That was the way we had to play at West Point. We had to win with our numbers. We knew we probably weren't going to have number one through five on our roster be as good as maybe the next one through five in the rest of the Patriot League. But we thought our six through 13 could wear out those numbers and we could have more depth and we could keep coming at you with our pace, our style of play, our pressure and all that which made it successful. But I think now we're just focused on what's the best way this group can play. Obviously, we love we love the three ball and everything, but what team doesn't in college basketball nowadays? We're trying to play as successful as we can for this group. And we went from being one of the fastest teams in the country at Army. And if you look at our tempo the last few years here, it was towards the bottom just because that's the way we felt to play to be most successful. Coach, thanks for that. And I guess what I'm curious about now is we have a fairly significant roster turnover. So what does this new look roster, which will have a lot of names we know on admittedly playing a lot of minutes, but what it look like as far as style of play? Or should we maybe see things move a little faster now? We're going to slow things down a little bit, depending on the opponent. The one unique thing about our new roster, and you look at it, and we really have eight new players because Terrence Butler was out most of last year. So you're looking at eight new scholarship guys. With this roster, we have more of an ability to play different ways. We have more ball handlers than we've ever had. You could throw a lineup out there where you have three point guards with Justin Moore, Jamie Bergens, and Shane Blakeney all out there at the same time. I think we have an opportunity to play big at sometimes. Put Amari on the perimeter within our flow and play different ways. But I think that's what's most exciting about this group is we'll be able to play different ways, play different styles, allow us to match up against opponents differently as well, not just having to play one way. We'll have the ability to play small and really stretch the floor and create some gravity within our offense and put four shooters around one big and attack different teams different ways. So we're excited about that, excited about the different ways we can play. So brings up two questions for me. One, yes, Terrence Butler is the forgotten man. I'd forgotten. Can you tell me about, are you expecting significant minutes from him this year? Is he healthy? Is he good to go? Yeah, Terrence is working. He missed most of the summer, again, with the knee, but uh, looking to fight for minutes, just like our other bigs right now early on. He had another small minor procedure with his knee, but he'll be ready to go. He's been practicing full go here the last few days and give us some quality minutes. And uh, he's in that battle right now with some of our other bigs with Amari. Garfield Turner, Cole Hargrove, all fighting for those minutes on the front court. All right, I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. And I know that Coach Biker thinks Bill Belichick is forthcoming about injuries. So I'll stay away from that the rest of the way. But uh, the other one I had for you is that Shane Blakely, is, is you, you look at him as a point guard? You just think he can play the point a little bit? We kind of look at him as a basketball player, to be honest with you. I'm not trying to be funny, but I think that's what makes guys that we look at great. Do they have position flexibility? Can they play on the ball? Can they play off the ball? Um, I think we have multiple guys that can do that. Shane can certainly play the point if you need him to, um, but he can also be dynamic off the ball. And he's got great length. He's got scoring ability. He's got a huge upside as long as he's moving forward. And uh, we're really excited about what he can become. All right. Are there any kind of, it's, I know it's tough before you've, you've, you've had some scrimmages, I think, but I think everybody has at this point, but 
without seeing real opponents, it's tough. I know I don't know how much you guys do or don't read from, from scrimmages. Is there anybody who jumps off the page, I guess, is the question I'm trying to ask here as far as this season versus last season who's had a really good summer, you think? Yeah, I think we had a conversation with, with some coaches yesterday that came to watch practice. And the one thing they said that stood out about the team is that we don't have that guy this year. Like, we have more of a collective group. We share the ball. Uh, we don't have a necessarily a, a can winner who you know is going to get the ball and take the shot, take the last shot. So I think that's a, I think it's in a good, in a good way because we have eight new players, so we have to share the ball a lot more. We have to learn each other. There's not one player that sticks out over the other one. I would say if you look at the league, especially the CAA and, and the higher leagues that you go up in, I think it's very important um, to have position flexibility. When it comes to every player on the floor, when you look at UNC Wilmington last year, they were the top of the league. Towson had some flexibility in positions with Gray. Gibson played one and two. And you had Delaware, Jameer Nelson. We don't know if he's a point guard or two guard. You had Anderson. So a lot of the teams at the top of the league had position flexibility. That's something that we think we have before right now. And I know we, we were pick seventh, and I know you guys having to be careful about what you think about predictions, and I know they're kind of useless, but... Was that a fair place to put us at seventh, or where do you where would you project Drexel right now? Was it fair? Sure. Yeah, we're okay with it. We're fine with it. I could be surprised if we were that high. Some people might say you lose this, you lose Cam Winter, done everything for you. you lose a thousand thousand guy and James Butler. You use another thousand scorer, Malik Martin. You use a do everything guy like Matei Yurich. What do they have left? And our guys are hungry to prove that. And you ask about guys. What guys have shown in the offseason, I think we got guys molding into different roles. Coltrane Washington, a fifth-year guy, is becoming a leader, was voted captain by his peers. And that's a different role that he's never had before, and he's excited to take that challenge. Um, Mate Okrus is healthy, has been working on his body, does everything you want and ask him to do at the best of his ability, and we're excited to have him. Lamar Odin, looking forward to coming after more minutes this year. Shot the ball at an elite level last year, and now he's adding some different things to his game, and he's excited about that. Um, the big fella, Amari, is he's ready for what's going to come at him this year. He won't be a secret anymore coming sitting behind JB. He knows what's coming for him, and he's excited about it. And then look at Luke House, right? You know, the machine, as we call it, guy lives in the deck. He literally lives in the deck. He's shooting on the gun, and he's the epitome of what a Drexel guy is. Just a guy that grinds every single day and makes those big-time shots. He had an elite practice the other day, hitting shot after shot, and you can talk about those moments, him changing the game at Charleston last year, or at home against Charleston last year, diving on a loose ball in the first half and just changing the flow of the game. So just different guys morphing into different roles. That number seven doesn't mean anything for us. We're just excited about the opportunity to show what we can do, and we're really looking forward to that first game against ODU. We had that conversation, I think, a couple weeks ago, Dan, about leadership, and you just said we were kind of like, who could be the team leader? And Coltrane was somebody we both agreed, and as far as intangibles and things like that, to see the guy that's going to bring that kind of stuff, rub off on his teammates and get them doing the extra work that it takes to see that type of guy. Yeah, I think so. I think he, he wants it. I think everyone talks about Coltrane's shooting ability, but if you really look at him down the stretch last year, um, he guarded at an elite level. Um, he was one of our best perimeter centers, and he's really changed his bodies. But I think we got a bunch of guys that are leaders, even if you want to talk about young guys. I know Coach Chavis knows Justin Moore really well. Justin Moore has what you call DQs. He's got those dude qualities, right? Like you can just throw him in there and he's not afraid if he's a freshman to say something to an upperclassman 
and get him in. He's going to be ready for that leadership role as a young guy, as a freshman. Um, we got other guys that will be doing that. Lamar Odin does everything the right way and knows what it means to be a Drexel basketball player. Um, and Mate will be a captain as well. A lot of different guys pushing that leadership role and pushing each other. You take us way off topic for a second, but you mentioned that Wilmington team last year. That kind of came out of nowhere, right? They didn't look great out of conference. They turned it on. They figured something out from a, an outsider's perspective to their program. You're slightly more inside than a fan, but you're outside of their program. What did you see there that kind of, did you see that coming first of all, from what you saw from them in the out of conference and what changes did you see down there that kind of turned them honestly, into what they were? Honestly, I think it was a different style of basketball. They switched a lot on defense, so they didn't really allow you to run a lot of your stuff because they just switched everything. They had position flexibility where they can, I mean, Sims was 6'6", six, six, and he was playing point guard, bringing the ball up, but he would guard it for a guy. So they had a lot of they had a lot of players that were not only experienced in college basketball, but they were flexible in their position where the coach can move them around. So I think it was a really I think it was a really dynamic team. They got out, they caused turnovers, they got out in transition. Um, they didn't shoot the ball that well, but they made shots when it counted. They just was tough and gritty team. And I think that's what you need in this league. You have to win in different ways. Every game is going to be different. So you have to find a way to win different ways, especially on the road. Yeah, no, it's, it was, and I think it's right on with the position of basketball kind of like, uh, and you, you didn't know any, I didn't know anybody was out there for them other than it was, it was kept, it didn't matter. It didn't really matter. It just right. felt like they would backfill and backfill. The other question I've got is, I don't know, there's a million different types of fans. Some guys are into recruiting, some guys are into scheduling, some guys read the box score, some gotta be every, every game and nothing's wrong, right? So we're all rooting for Drexel. But when it comes to, there's the box score, then there's the guy who looks at Ken Palm, right? Then there's, if you've got the synergy login or whatever else, right? That kind of next level. But when I'm looking at a guy like Coltrane, and let's assume for a second that baby's got me up all night and I'm missing this game. What is a defensive metric, an individual defensive metric that you guys look at that would help quali quant quantify a player's performance? It's a good one that, that you guys have, either one of you have a favorite. I always think deflections is one thing. Usually, and that's something we track as a program, usually when you have a lot of deflections, there's activity on the ball, different things like that. I think you can whittle it down to sometimes we are a team defense, but man, if you own your matchup and you dominate that guy, that's a little old school answer, not analytic, but if you can dominate your guy that shows up in the box score, I think that's pretty elite. It's also a weird thing like with Coltrane last year because we started guarding one-on-one in practice a lot and, and trying to come up with the ability to guard in space, right? For specifically for teams like Wilmington. And what we saw was like, when you look at synergy, it correlated with Coltrane being our best defender on the ball in one-on-one and guarding in space. His metrics and synergy proved that he was probably one of our best defenders. And we went to practice and we guarded one-on-one. You saw that he would always win the drills and get stops on defense. So it matched up, which was beautiful for a change. <laughs> You can make statistics lie, right? You can make statistics <laughs> lie as much as you want. So not that I do that for a living, but I don't, just to be very clear. But the, yeah, it's, it is. It's nice when they tell the story and it's, it's, it is the story, right? That's cool. Is there, I'm just, you guys have a wealth of practice data. I know just talking to Coach Spiker over the years, you guys track an awful lot of items. Is there somebody, one of the newcomers maybe, who's profiling as more of a defensive plus player? I think you're going to be surprised at how hungry Jamie Bergens is when he gets on the floor. He's, he brings a, 
Uh, he's a man. He's a college body. He's a college-ready guy. He can get into your legs and do some things. He'll be able to throw some pretty good perimeter defensive lineups out there. Uh, I'm talking about Justin Moore, just a nasty Philly defender. He's what a Philly guard epitomizes. Um, can get into guys and really pressure. Jamie Bergens really pressures the ball. Uh, can get into the eyes. And we talked about Coltrane and his length on the perimeter. We're excited about some of those different lineups defensively that we can throw out there rather than offensively. And Amari kind of makes it a little bit easier for you to be a little more aggressive out there, doesn't it? Just a yeah, touch. He's okay. He's okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I was just going to say, too, the answer there would have been, too, there is a defensive metric you look at. You got to look at something. But I'm happy to hear you say, own your matchup. Because, I mean, that balance has to exist between what you on the floor and what some stats say. I've been listening to Howard Eskin too much on Saturday mornings talking about the Phillies and he launch agnals and exit velocity. It's all the Phillies needed to do was put the ball in play, which easier said than done against the Astros pitching. But you're up there striking out. We know what we see. So I guess I'm glad to hear you have that balance between, yeah, there's some things you look at, but then what do you see in front of you and how important that is? I think Coach Jennings, if I had to guess, you're a Steelers fan. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave this alone and just say, I'm a do your job guy. All right. So if you want to use that one, the, the phrase works out pretty well. Standard, standard right? Yeah. It's been a tough year for the Steelers, but a tough year for P Pittsburgh sports right now. I think we all know where the Pirates are. The Steelers are having a rough year. I think the Penguins have lost seven in a row. Uh, Pitt foot football is on a downturn. I don't know where Pitt basketball is. When my kids come home rocking Bryce Harper jerseys, I'm like, have at it. We're playing dancing on your own in, in the car and everything. We're full. We're going Philly right now. So let's go. That's cool. You making it to any of the games? The, the post -season? Po yeah, postseason games, or you've been out on the road? I did not. We've been traveling and going forward. But I was at the opener Sixers. I was able to get tickets to that through the Bucks organization, actually. But I was able to get to that game, so it was good. That's cool. I just want to wrap it up with kind of the, the crux of it. This is the preview episode, right? This is going to come out on Wednesday here. Tip-off is Friday, Friday night against, if I'm checking my notes here, not Trey Brown and Old Dominion University. Looks like Trey ran into some issues. Is that, and I got to ask, because you may know, but is that transfer related or is that, would he not have eligibility at Drexel? If I believe he's on the roster right now to a possible injury, but I believe he is there. I, sorry, I'd read something. He's there looking for a waiver. They haven't, he hasn't gotten his waiver. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I didn't know what was going on. I've not that, heard but, that, sorry. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah so you got old, ODU starting things off. It's an old favorite for those of us who have been here for a couple too many moons. Is that a home and home? You know, I assume it was kicking off a home and home. And yes. then how great of an opener is that at the deck? And what do they bring? They're a really uh, big, strong, physical team. They have grown men. Two of the guys they they have, I looked at last year from Juco. Williams, he's like a four, athletic four guy. Faison Fields out of Chipola in Florida. He's a four or five. So they're a big, physical team. I think in one of their scrimmages, they had, what, 21 offensive rebounds? So... It's going to be a physical test for us, for sure. Put our strength and conditioning to the test. Do you get film from opposing scrimmages? I didn't know that. No, that they, okay. they posted it on their website. Convenient them. All right. Yeah, or ex ex exhibition, I should say. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, that's, that's a great opener. Is it, let me just say this first. I know I hear year after year. I've been hearing it for 15 years now. It's hard to schedule at Drexel. But I believe it. I, I do believe it. But yet we, we keep making schedules. This one seems to be better than most. Is what I'm, I'm excited by this one. We'll talk about this next game. First game I'm going to get to. I'm excited about it. The home game against Penn on Tuesday night. City game. We haven't seen Penn at the deck. I'd have to look. It's been a minute. What dynamics go into? I certainly the that's an athletic department thing as much as it is a coaching thing. I'd imagine. But what kind of dynamics going to schedule these city teams? I know Coach Fugger's always. That's always been a goal of his. If he had his way, he'd play the entire Big Five every year, and that's something he's trying to do every year. 
Uh, we're fortunate enough to get Penn back on the schedule and renew the shortest rivalry uh, from distance, as you say, and get that thing restored. But obviously, we still have LaSalle and, and Temple on the schedule. Um, and love to get St. Joe's back on the schedule when we can, and Villanova as well. Uh, we're excited about our schedule. I think it's I think it's a good schedule. You talk about ODU, a, a former CAA opponent, and then Princeton's a great game for us that we're able to renew a home and home with and keep that thing rolling. I think it's we're getting high level games, really throwing our guys out there early on, a young group out there, and, and see what we have early on. I think Princeton's gonna be surprised by our scoreboard. We have to get that. I think that's an arbitrary thing. We got to get into every podcast. Let me just say that. Excited about that. No, it, it'll be, uh, first of all, having two home games with students on campus to start the year. That's really great. You've got the new environment in there. I think that's going to be cool. I'm going to offend you guys by skipping Arcadia. I apologize in advance. We're going to move on. You have the Gulf Coast sh Showcase. Uh, it's another flow tourney. That seems to be what we do. So I got to subscribe to flow for three days. But sorry, Nate. I'm sorry. That's without you bringing that up. You can't do it. You can't do yeah. it. It's, it just bucks me every time. The uh, But who, who's in there? Who are you excited to play down there? You're going to start with Arlington. Who else? Who else? Is there any... Maybe a name that, I know the names that are involved in the tournament, but is there any name there that you think is maybe a little bit better than the team that you want to play? Philly Gulf Coast, they have a lot of Philly guys down there. A couple of Philly guys. Philly guy and a coach. Assistants are Philly guys. So that should be an interesting matchup for some of the local kids that we have on the team. Mm -hmm. They'll know some of the players on the other on that team. And we have a chance to play them in the second round. I think on the other side of the bracket, there's some quality teams as well. When you look at, obviously, East Carolina, Indiana State, Kansas City, but I think the one unique team is Toledo. That's a potential top 25 team. Have almost everybody back except for the one guy that got drafted last year, and they're going to throw a pretty quality team out there, and we'll be excited to play them on, on day three if possible. I didn't realize they were that good, actually. That's, that's, you got me there. All right. Season starts tomorrow, man. You got to get rolling. Yeah. Let's go. Toledo is really good. They have a really good program. Really good coaches. We went up there for a game. I've sat in those week. They gave us tickets. There were 40 rows between us and the next fan. I don't know what was happening there, but we ended up, and it was like the Christmas game for them, and the cheerleaders, one cheerleader had to run up like 40 extra sets of stairs, give us candy canes in the yard. I was like, don't, just stop. Just turn around. Just go back. It's all right. We're, we're good up here. Good thoughts. At Temple, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we've only been traveling to Temple, right? That's, is that a It is not. We have them coming back to the deck next year. Okay. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm excited about great. that. LaSalle and Temple will both return those games next year. That's good stuff. So, it's, again, more, more, more city play and getting to host these games. Is that kind of something that you guys are big on? They've got to be home and homes with their city teams. I know that was something Drew was trying to push in his era. Yeah, we're definitely pushing for it. That's what we want. We feel we have a an elite venue, especially with the upgrades that we've seen, the lighting, the sound system, the scoreboard, everything. We're excited about that. We'll put the DAC up against any place in, in the city six, and I think we should have home and homes with all of them. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, because in the past, we've moved them to the Palestra, so it's going to be the deck. Yeah, the deck's our home. That's where we play home games. Good. Okay. Back to deck, baby. I mean, I love it. I love all of it. I think calling it an elite venue makes me question everything I know about life, because <laughs> I was in the deck when we had tumbleweed blowing through, but Will, Will grew up with no air conditioning in that building. Um, best venue in the city because it's our venue. Listen, you feel it. You feel it. It's the best venue in the city. I've said it for a long time, and it's worth points. It's been on the box score, and we've seen it. It's happened, and hope to bring it back again so that's awesome a couple more home games before exams lafayette and princeton both good gets right both both solid programs yeah. in their leagues you guys anything exciting about the uh, this is the first we didn't play lafayette last year no it's been i think uh, our first two years we played them i believe we played their year one and at our place year two maybe yeah so it's good to get them back on the schedule it's a good local opponent 
and then my guys, the Prince and Tigers, go Tigers. But it's um, trying to think through. There was some Prince and Cornell overlap. I don't know if does Coach Spiker know anybody over there. Is that is this are the programs fairly close or is this? I think just obviously has a relationship because I think they were both assistants in the Ivy League at the time. But yeah, there's no no overlap as far as working at Cornell, I believe. And then the bye game. I was, we asked Lasalle kind of covered that. But a lot of change over there, obviously. Cool to have Fran back, right? It's a unique coaching staff, is what I would call it. But as somebody who, uh, listen, I'm, a, I'm an Ashley Howard fan. I, I, I could have gone better. They're a tough spot, right? That just feels like, they. they I don't, don't want to say I feel bad for a City Six rival, right? But it, that university as a whole, that, that athletics, it just feels like it's a tough spot right now. And Fran's kind of in the rescue boat, right? He's just trying to do what he can to keep his alma mater. And I don't know what to make of it. I think that they've got a competitive ball club this year, probably. And they've got a capable coaching staff. The game in front of you is going to be a challenge, but... I look at that school and it just, it's, I don't know much what to think about it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they have talent. They brought the Drama Twins in from St. Peter's. Brantley is back. Jake Brick is there. It's the kid from Louisville. He's still, they have talent. And, and if it, if anyone can do it, Fran Dunphy can. That's what I would say. Fran is the man. If you can do it, Fran can. He's pretty good. How do you keep track of, because we're going back to season rankings and it's got to be really hard to put those things together because of all the transfers and everything. How do you guys keep your, so you know who's coming and going and prepare for these teams? I know it's what you do, it's your job, but how are you keeping track of all these changes and knowing what to expect out of these teams going in? Just follow it, honestly. Just follow it, see where the kids go. I know the kids because you recruit some of them. So you follow them, know where they go. And just try to piece together each team, and each roster as they acquire new players. So that's something I've always done. I've always tried to look at a team because it affects, I think it can affect your recruiting. You look at a team and see what other teams have. If you're smart, you'll try to build a team that you think can beat that team. So it's like you said, it's our job to follow it so that we can build the best team possible to try to beat those guys. There's 30 different ways I want to go there between what team you're looking to build against. And I'm curious about that. But I want to start, I'll drop, do a drop for Bill Martin, who couldn't be here with us tonight. But he just put his, his rankings on Recruit Recon for all the incoming classes in the CAA. And he did watch tape on every single player who came in. And I think he's, yeah, that's a hobby, Coach. Yeah, that was action too when I saw that. I was like, man, God bless him. He's, it's amazing. But yeah. yeah, I think he's also said this is the last time he's going to do that. But yeah, is it? are you guys seeing, I don't know. I, yeah, keeping track of that. Is it a spreadsheet? Is it, are you actually watching each of these kids when they get recruited, when they get signed in, not when they recruit? recruited you but once they sign with a team are you starting to break them down immediately do you have staff looking at them or is it you kind of wait till that team's in front of you and take a look at who you've got in front of you on that week that month whatever yeah i mean i think when you see guys commit to certain point, it gives you it gives you a thought of what that team can become but i think if you get caught watching what other teams are doing a bunch you start losing sight of, of what's really important in, in the group you have there's a reason you chose the guys that you have on your roster and that's the guys that we believe must get back and win a championship it's obviously on our radar but we won't focus too much on it until it gets closer to conference play and more about to play those teams all right i'll, I'll try to switch back to the schedule here because we're running on time at seton hall it's the big buy game right going to jersey um today would have been good i'm here but this is a different side of newark than nate parkton back in the day i believe it'll be at the Prue. good game under the lights for you guys that's a that's becoming a lead program i can't believe i'm saying that growing up in new jersey but Rutgers and Seton Hall, relevant. And Seton Hall is better than relevant, right? So how good are they? We haven't seen them yet. We don't really know, you know, what Shaheen is going to do with his team. What we do know is that they'll play tough. They'll play hard. 
they'll be physical. They'll get up and down. They'll get in your face. They'll just make it a really tough game for you to play there. So that's about all we know right now. All right. All right. You go there. It'll be a little bit of a letdown spot. Delaware State, a home game, following that. That'll be... Okay, so it was LaSalle after the exams, right? It was LaSalle after exams. Mm-hmm. You got the midweek game on Wednesday at Seton Hall, and then you get the Saturday home game. Hopefully draw some folks week before Christmas. Delaware, is that a bit of a get-right before you head out to Fairfield? Yeah, I think Delaware State's going to be a surprisingly good team. I know their record maybe wasn't what, what they had thought it'd be early on, but that's a program I believe is on the rise. They got some good local talent. Yeah, they got a couple of good recruits from, from the Philadelphia area. I think they can be pretty good. Um, so they're going to they're gonna be much better than their record was last year. They're going to be well coached. Um, that's for sure. But that, that's going to be a tough game. All right. Also a f- tough game. Fairfield, this is in the new arena for Fairfield? Or is this going to be the old? I think it's – I actually don't know. Now that they had one under construction, I don't know if it's done yet. I got to be honest with you. You're asking a lot of these questions. I'm just focused on how we're going to beat Old Dominion. What it all, right? talking about Fairfield. I couldn't tell you where we're playing, but I know it's been sometime in December. But we're really looking forward to the Monarchs on Friday. That's for sure. That's your Christmas game. Going to Christmas, it's December 22. Out of Fairfield, it's the last one on the out-of-conference because conference game starts early this year. December 29, we're beating New Year this year. So we're going to hope to see if we can invite you guys or some of your brethren back before we start conference play and, and get into the CA rosters a little bit. And there's so much there with the league this year. Just besides the transfer portal, besides incoming classes, all the new schools, some big-name coaches with King Rice. It's just it's There's just a lot to talk about there. So it's another podcast or three, I think. But I appreciate you guys coming on tonight. I appreciate the, the what he asked about the, the we're picked seventh and what you thought. I picked up that paternalistic, hey, man, this is what we got. And the enthusiasm you seem to have in the team and the optimism that's in there. I sit there and I know I keep wandering off on different sports. Again, with the Phillies, it's one of those why not us kind of things. Like a couple of years ago, that was the situation. I think that kind of came out of nowhere. Like I know there are a lot of different circumstances, but boom, I want to see a championship. So to hear that enthusiasm. That's what I always, I like that from the staff and the stuff you guys do out on the court before the games and bringing the students involved. I hope that continues and always a good vibe around the program. And yeah, always reasons to be excited going into the season and looking forward to what you guys can do today, do this year with the team. So no question. We're fired up. We appreciate your support. I think first and foremost, the people like you is what makes Drexel basketball great. And uh, we're excited to put a good product out there this year and can't wait to get going on Friday. I'm excited about this season. I think the one thing that nobody can argue is that this, this program has leveled up since since you, Coach Jennings, Coach Spiker, Coach Fortier have arrived. And by the way, keeping this group together for as long as you have is pretty pretty unique and rare. I think it talks a lot to the trust you guys have for each other where this program is. Nook and marked improvement from day one. And the idea that there's been roster turnover and therefore there will be a letdown, I think, is flawed because you have to look at the body of work. So I'm excited to see you guys answer the call there. Let's get the season started. Let's get the season going. Looking forward to ODU on Friday night. Let's go.